Season 2, episode 14 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, Rebecca Braddock from Portsmouth. Good afternoon. And Mark Stoll from California. Good morning. (laughs) Right, let's begin with with Chelsea. What a shower of shite they were. Um, (laughs) They uh, came in, they parked the bus, um, they didn't play a recognised striker. Um, Costa was on the bench, I don't know what the fuck's happened to Mark Falcao. Uh, Mark Falcao? Did I just say Mark Falcao? Dear God, aren't you showing your age? <laughs> um, to, to Falcao. Um, and, um, yeah. He's but, been hospitalised with a severe case of overrated itis. That's all, don't worry about it, he'll be back. Yeah, no, no striker. Um, pat the midfield, they had a game plan. They got a result from their perspective, but... Um, and I know the pod podcast isn't about them, but it just strikes me that for a team that apparently still think they can finish in the top four, um, on the evidence of today, they didn't look like a top four team. Um, and I think they were really, really poor. Um, and whilst it was disappointing that we didn't get the win, um, you know, it's a clean sheet. Um, we're still unbeaten since the first day of the season. Um, and we're still, what? Top top five, not too many f- points off the pace setter. So um, disappointed, but yeah, no. Um, I'd rather be a to- well. It goes without saying. I'd rather be a Tottenham fan than a Chelsea fan. But their team was shit, really. But they did their mission today was not to concede. That's all they were there for was not to lose. Yeah. And if you think about it, the early part of the season, if we'd played them three weeks ago, I think we'd have beaten the crap out of them. But they had, they managed to scrape a win last weekend. They won midweek. So their confidence is on the up. And we had a really long week. So yeah. I'm not phased about today. I think we did all right. Like you said, clean sheet, we got a point. They didn't manage to beat us. So, yeah, OK. It's not ideal, but it's not the end of the world. Mark, were you disappointed with the performance or happy, happy with the result? Um, I'm I'm fine with the result. I mean, to add on to what Beck says, they came they came not to lose today. Right now, they're they're trying to go on a run of not losing because they've got pretty damn good at that lately, <laughs> you know. And you know, Marino only only usually plays like that when he's you know when he's playing a team that he's really threatened by and he's coming for a point, you know, and maybe scrape a win and. I think we did well. We did. We weren't at our best at all either after a, a long week. Um, the officiating was absolutely Crap. diabolical today. I mean, we had we had a whole bunch of yellow cards to you know defend both our backs before you know the second half even started against a team that don't mind a dive and a, and a cheat as well. So. Overall, I'm happy with the performance. And, you know, we just had three London derbies in a row, too. Five out of nine. 
anybody wouldn't take that is crazy as far as I'm concerned. We um so yeah, the the, the linesman was particularly poor, um, and he was getting a lot lot of, lot of stick from the fans. Um, who who was the referee? Because I recognise Oliver. Oliver. Michael oh, Oliver. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's a bell end. Um, and he's only twelve. That's why he doesn't know. He's not old enough to know the rules properly. No. Um, with the bookings, because um, I was at the game, um, and you both watched the coverage. Do you know if anybody, um, if any of those bookings cost us in terms of suspensions? Was that mentioned in the commentary? I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. Okay. But then it was four a.m. here, and I was trying not to wake <laughs> anybody else up. <laughs> I'd rather not listen to the commentary anyway because they're all twats. I, I think that yeah. I mean, we played, we played Thursday, um, and they had two days extra rest in us having played on Tuesday. Um, you know, we've, we've done well. We've actually coped with that whole first supposed Thursday sun, Sunday syndrome this season. Um, I think the fact that it was an early kickoff didn't help. Um, I don't want to be seen to making excuses, but I think that I do think that we play a lot better under the flood floodlights, um, and I think our, the atmosphere is always a lot better under the floodlights. And, and when it's when the atmosphere is better, that gets across to the players. Um, so it, it, it was a little bit lacklustre at times. Um, I thought thought we did okay. I thought Toby was solid again. Um, he was he was immense. Um, I thought Walker had a really good game. And Rose, both our full-backs. Yep. Um, but again, nobody had... There, there isn't anybody in the team at the moment that you can single out as... or No, that's why. But it, it's harder to find a one-star player because the team performance as a whole is much better. They, they are definitely a team. Yeah. It's not a squad of players. So it's really hard to pick out somebody who is just outstanding because the team are all performing the way they should. Some passes were wildly astray today, and I think that really let us down. But again, I think that's tiredness mm. and I, the weather. I think that you know when I when I was watching it, I didn't have the best vantage point because I sat a lot lower down than where I normally sit um, behind the goal, like row A or something like that. Um, but whenever they had an attack, it always seemed to be when one of our passes went astray. Um, they didn't, to me, look threatening at any point in the game. And I know they had a, that Chelsea had a few chances, but I, I wasn't overly concerned. And it always just seemed to be when we gave the ball away that that allowed them to come in. They had a spell towards the end of the game. I think they were putting, putting a bit of pressure on our goal, but I wasn't particularly impressed. Um, I've said this about United earlier this season. I've said it about Arsenal on a few occasions. They've, this Chelsea team, and I say it about Chelsea... There have been better teams that have come to White Hart Lane in the past um, and caused us more problems, and I don't think they were a good team. Um, no, absolutely. They didn't create anything that we didn't give them. Oh. Yeah, from, from from their point of view, though, considering their season, that was probably their best performance in a couple of months. Yeah. It it was, but for, for, for a team that's that got that still apparently has aspirations for, to, to get climb up the table, on that evidence, they're, they're not going to get anywhere near top four. No, but they uh, were threatened by us today. That's why they it, set up with no recognised yeah. striker. And if you think how far they have come against us since New Year's Day, yeah. where nobody foresaw that result, um, 
Mourinho did it to us in the um, League Cup final. He completely closed everything down. Mm. And that's what he did again today. He's more scared of us than we are of them. Absolutely. And, and I think that, that, that that's a measure of two things. One, how poorly they're doing. And, 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 and today was a bit of a damage limitation exercise for them after losing so many games. But also it, it shows the respect that Mourinho's got for and the recognition that he's he's, he's, that he's starting to give give us um yeah, it was one of those games that if you know if 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 Sun's header had gone in, would have been a completely different game. You know, it it was kind of one of those games where if there had been a goal, would have totally changed the game and opened it up. I think, and they would have had to have come at us, and we probably would have just dominated. But it just it just didn't happen. Yeah, it's not like we didn't try. Yeah, I I think that. You know, on the evidence of today and everything I've seen this season and from what I've seen of Chelsea, I think that when the return fixture um, occurs, I think it's either March or April, one of, I can't remember which, I think we're going to win that at Stamford Bridge. I really do. Um, we haven't won there in 26 years. I think um, it was 9th February 1990, Gary Lineker scored a goal that long ago. Um, I really think we can go there and, and, and get a win. Um and um, yeah, I, I, I think that well, Mark, you said it earlier about the the games that we played this month. Um, you know, three London derbies, um, five points. I think arguably we should have got um, seven. I think we should have won it um, at, at the arse. Yeah, at the arse. Yeah. Um, and you know we beat Villa as well at home. Um, Beat Andlecht and and Carabag already qualified for um, the knockout stage of the Europa. That's you know that's an impressive impressive month. Another clean sheet today. I'm beaching since the first day of the season. As long as we're as long as we're still in the mix, which we are. And by the way, if we'd won today, we still would have been the fifth. We just would have been that slightly bit closer to say Leicester and United. But we're there. We're we're still there. We're in the mix. And as long as we maintain that yeah that's i'd rather do you know what i'd rather us do what we're doing than um have the glamour yeah beating the big teams and then losing to stoke and bournemouth and stuff like that which traditionally we've done really well yeah yeah or 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 be right at the top and then suddenly throw it throw it away be first or second or something like that we're just there the pressure's on the other teams the pressure's on leicester city the pressure's on arsenal city united um we're just we've just maintained a you know a healthy position and the longer the longer it goes on the longer that we remain unbeaten and we start picking up points and the confidence is is just going to grow from here so I heard before the game today that we had uh, scored 19 goals in the last seven games. You can't knock that either. You know we're we're scoring. Different people are scoring. Kane's finding his feet. Uh, you know now it's all about playing the teams like Norwich and that, and not getting yeah get you know having an upset basically. If we if and you know and we shouldn't the way we've been playing. So fingers crossed. We're just gonna. If we manage to stay consistent, then there's no reason why we can't be top four, and maybe even top three. Mm. It's, it's certainly there. Um, I know we'll, we'll do questions later in the, <laughs> later in the pod, but um, 
we had one from um, Zach Gostola from Weymouth who he says given today's results have we still got have we still cured the post Europa problem of disappointing results against relegation fighting lower teams <laughs> that we should really beat <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, we didn't lose to a relegation fighting team, so. Uh, well, no, they're not fighting relegation yet, though. But you know, might be in a couple of months. They're um, um, skirting yeah, with we, it. We did okay, and that was Thursday was our last trip away, wasn't it? So Monaco is the last game we have, and that's at home. Yeah. In ten days' time, eleven days' time. So I'm not. Uh, we're not losing those games. And it's not like the lads didn't try anything today because they were quite clearly trying. Mm. But I think they were just quite tired. Well, we did also travel to probably the deepest depths of Europe as well. Back a few days ago. Yeah, we can't really consider it. So our flight was, what, three hours? Chelsea's was six. Anyway, it's done now. I don't think it was that bad. Um. I think we have probably got over the, and like you said, the Thursday Sunday games are working well, and I think we have got over the um, playing on a Sunday and it being crap when we played on a Thursday. There are um, the five points. The West London Chavs are five points above the relegation zone, so you know a few defeats there, a few here and there. They'll be, they'll be back in it. Um, fortunately for them. There are at least three teams worse than them, if that or four. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Newcastle are just dire. Villa, Newcastle, Sunderland. Mm-hmm. Well, Sunderland did all right yesterday. I was expecting them to lose, considering Stoke went a man mm. down. I thought you could just see them still not winning that, and they got what two in three minutes. Yeah. So, not necessarily guaranteed. But um, Newcastle had another poor result yesterday. Do either of you think that we missed uh, we, we missed um, at Deli Alley today, or do we have a strong enough squad to to cope with that? I'd say I'd say we we missed him. I mean, he's been part of a winning team. It was probably I'd say this was probably one of you know it wasn't up to the standard of our performances of, of late albeit against some you know some decent players I mean Ali wasn't there I mean who knows but I would say right now he's I doubt there's anybody that if he was available wouldn't have picked him over Mason you know Mason has, hasn't he's, he's done okay but since he's come back from injury you know he hasn't quite hit the heights of where he was before he got injured of what you know I thought he was playing really well mm. um, but you know I think, I think listening to the pod last week you guys were a little bit harsh on Ali too to be quite honest I mean I'm not saying I'm not the Sun newspaper saying oh he's the next coming of England and we're going to win the next seven World Cups and as captain but you got to give the kid credit and there's a lot of people that will say we missed him today you know, and he's been a winner for us so far. So, who knows? I think we missed him. I think it would have been a different game. Because I like Mason, don't get me wrong. I Ali sees something different in the game. And he's much more settled in the team. Mason's had some time out. He's still not back to where he was last year. Um, 
so yeah I think Ali would have made a difference mm. we, we did at times lack that bit of sparkle um, that some that Deli Ali can give us um, I was surprised that um, that Mason started I, I, I assumed that Lamella would come straight back into the team and it would be Lamella, Son and Ederickson behind Kane and no, Dan, I think and um, Lamella was left out. I think Lamella was deliberately left on the bench. He's too hot-headed. Mm. He hasn't learned to control his temper. And today had all the hallmarks of being a really fiery game. And we saw that with, what, five, seven yellows, I think? Yeah. Seven, eight yellows across the whole game. And Lamella would have been in there and he would have got himself into trouble. So I think I it was even, a wise move to bring him on later. I don't even think he's necessarily hot-headed. I think he's just kind of clumsy. It's, it's, effort, it's all effort and and a bit clumsy at times. I was surprised he was brought in, being how the ref was just a complete fucking arsehole, you know. I was surprised he came in. I was expect. I to be quite honest, I didn't even see who was on the bench today because it was four a.m. Um, but I was expecting Carroll to come on instead of Lamella because I thought Carroll was actually pretty decent when he came on. On Thursday, I, I mean, I, okay, I would, I would have personally, I would, have, well, I would have started Lamella, um, but I, for me, he's not really an impact player. I mean, he came off the bench, and yeah, he he, he did okay when he came off the bench, and he, he can hold the ball up well, and he can pass it, but he's not somebody that that has got the pace or to. Um, he's certainly got the craft, but he he, he won't beat players. Um, he's not. I don't know. He, he just doesn't strike me as being a good impact sub- substitute. Um, well, it's rare. It's rare that any any time Lamella affects a game, it's rare that he does it early on in a game. Right? It usually takes a while for him to yeah. kind of find his feet. I think too. But he has started to take players on. I mean, I was not a fan of his, but he's grown on me. But still. I still think I'd rather have Son in the I team. I was impressed. Sorry, I was impressed at the um, round of applause he got when he came on. I thought that made it. That was a complete sea change from the way most Spurs fans were at the beginning of the season. Um, and he, everybody seemed to. Well, obviously, Jav, you might think it differently as you were there, but it seemed like everybody was really pleased to see him. Yeah, he, he got a good, 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 um, good reception, which is nice, particularly. Um, since he came in for sticker earlier this season, justified, I think that was. Um, but he but it was yep. ju- ju- justified early in the season as it was justified now to to give him um, the credit that he deserves. Um, on Mason, he, he picked up a little injury. I, I didn't see it; it just sort of happened. And next thing I knew, he was on the floor. Um, do you either of you have you either of you heard anything about that or? No, he just got his foot stuck. Mm. So nobody did it to him. It was just one of those things. He seemed in a lot of... Like I said, I didn't see the actual event. I just saw afterwards, and he seemed to be in a lot of pain and and agony. Um, So I hope he's okay, because we've got... We've got got Deli Alley back um, from suspension for for West Brom next week, but... um, Who's... We've got Chadley still out injured... Ben Labs still to come back. Still out injured. Yeah. Um, possibly Mason might be added to that list as well. 
Um, we shall see. If, if he is, I doubt if it's uh, going to be a long one. It might be a two, three week at the most, I think. Mm. He's not an Arsenal player. <laughs> <laughs> or because um, Poch had pop, didn't he, before the game? Pop? Um, uh, yeah, he had a, a idea get Chelsea's management, medical management of players. Ah. Okay. Um, before we move on to the second half, um, if we're done talking about Chelsea, um, I think we should mention yes, the result on Thursday against Carabag. Um, I was before that game. I was I was I predicted a draw, and I was quite happy if we went there and got a draw. I was, I was pleasantly surprised that we won. Um, I'm going to confess, I didn't watch the game. Um, all, I've, all I've seen is Kane's goal, so. Oh um, my god! <laughs> I didn't watch the game. Um, I'm hoping both of you did. <laughs> otherwise, it'll, it'll be, otherwise, it'll be an interesting <laughs> next few minutes. Of course, no, I watched no, the game. I, I watched, yeah. Right, um, how did we do? Performance wise? Really well. I think we created plenty of chances. I mean, the scoreline probably <clears throat> flattered them. I'd say. You but know, they we weren't. Hit... They weren't an easy. It wasn't an easy game to play. Not at all. But we slowly but surely, you know, got stronger as the game went on, and it was it was a good performance. And you know, we hit the woodwork twice, and mate, keeper made a pretty damn good save from Kane. Um, it was it was perfect. I mean, we went travelled all the way there. We risked we risked a lot of players too, but we still came out. We came away with a result, no injuries, and we can also now afford to rest some people if necessary mm. when we play Monaco because we're already through. So couldn't ask for any more. I was quite surprised that he put out a full strength team for that. I thought he'd have played more of the kids. Um, given the to- fact that we had Chelsea today. Yeah. To be fair to Poch, I mean he's been consi- he's been doing that consistently in, in the Europa this season. He's pretty much plays, I think, in every game. Uh, well, well, Larissa started all the matches, right? And I'm pretty sure, apart from one match, the centre back pairing has always been um, uh, Vertonghen and Toby. I think there was one game earlier on. It might have been Carabag at home um, yeah, where he played Vimmer with Toby, I believe. Yeah. Um, the fullbacks, obviously, he changes, tends to go for Davis and Trippier. Which he did on Thursday. Yep. And the rest Especially of the... when it's away. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the team pretty much tends to be out of the pool of players. I mean, it's like up front, we have we don't really have any choices, so it tends to be Harry Kane. And and then the, the five, if you like, the three behind Kane and, and the two pivots tends to be out of the pool of players that, that he's got available. Occasionally, I think he, it might have been Carabag at home, he played Carroll, I seem to recall. Yep. Um, but he's, he's certainly taking it seriously. Um, we, we had a question on that from um, from Nikki, my co-host on the pod, and um, she said, "Is if it's Pochettino's end game to reach top four, obviously, how will this impact on our European... Europa League campaign if he continues to play the spine of our team will this not affect our Premier League prospects or will Poch show faith in our talented youngsters enough to entrust them with the Europa League 
I think I think he's just right now. He's just taking it game by game. You know, I mean, there's been, there's been a few times this season where I early on in the season where I thought eh, maybe he'll decide to you know give Ali a rest or whatever. But I think he's just basically takes it game by game, sees who's available, sees that sees how fit the team are and, and goes from there. I mean, he has been criticised in the past for his training regimes and his team's running out of steam towards the end of the season, but we'll have to wait and see. I think we've got a stronger squad and right now everything's good, so we'll see whether that happens. Mm. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Does he play the first team because it helps them as a team? to play the whole team consistently or does he give them a rest and maybe the risk them not being quite so cohesive for the next league game so uh, I don't know but I was just really surprised to see a full first team bar um, Davis and Trippier I was really surprised to see a core team there on Thursday but it, you know it was okay worked well I mean, we've we've qualified. You said earlier, Mark. We've, we've qualified now. So the the, the the game against Monaco, we've got Monaco, and then on the Sunday we've got Newcastle at home, um, and we've qualified. And I'm pretty certain all we need is a point in that match to, to top the group. Right. Um, yeah, and don't which we need... we'll want to do. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's a good position. To, to be in I mean it, it's even conceivable I'm not suggesting that we do this for a moment but we could even lose the match if I'm not mistaken there might be a set of results that could happen whereby we could lose a game and still qualify as winners of the group um, yeah but, but bottom line is we're in a strong position and um, that's good um, on the to answer Nicky's question I, I think that when you're playing well it doesn't really matter how many games you've got, um, how many fixtures you've got, and who you're playing. Because if you're winning games, then players want to play Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, whatever it is, or Wednesday, Saturday. Um, it's fine. Um, it's when you start to lose matches and um, that becomes more of a problem. Also, I suppose the bigger question is, have we got the strength and depth? So if, if for instance, we played Kane um, on a Thursday and he takes a knock and he's out on the Sunday, we don't really have then an out and out, an out striker. So that that's where it could prove, prove costly. Um, I'm less worried about the other departments in the, in the team because, you know, we've got cover at full, in the full-back positions. We've got lots of options in midfield. Centre back, yet yeah, we got Wimmer, but you still want to have Toby and um, Jan as your regular pair in the Premier League. So um, I think if we strengthen the squad, if we're able to strengthen the squad in January, particularly up front, then I think it will become less of a problem. But ultimately, I think Poch wants to do as well as he can in, in both competitions. So you're only going to do that by playing your best players. And as we hopefully progress in the Europa, um, we're going to come across even tougher opposition. So it's going to be, whether we like it or not, it's going to be, it'll be even more likely to play um, players than rest them. 
at the moment, I think he's got the right balance where he plays pretty much the first team, bar one or two changes. Like, I think he left Dembele, um, Walker and Rose behind. Um, so some of the players got got rest, but maybe, you know, if, if we had a replacement for Kane, somebody that could slot in, it might have been Kane who would have um, not got on that plane. That That's where, unfortunately, we just don't have that depth yet. Okay, so do you see Poch making a buy in January, and if so, whom? Because um, I'm not convinced that it will be anybody that we know already. Uh, I think, I've said it before, I think the January transfer window is really difficult to do business because nobody wants to sell their best players in January, and if they do, it's a waste of inflated prices. But I think if we do get somebody in I could see us resurrecting the Berahino deal give them say Andros Townsend and Fazio and a bit of money really and you'd want Berahino given his um, attitude uh, and also Poch doesn't buy Poch and Mitchell don't buy from the Premier League Poch and Mitchell don't buy from the Premier League well, they well, don't. well, well out of Herald was, was they they but you know they there. knew him from previously. But they, you know, if you look at Son and and G, they're not Premier League. They're not known players, if you like. Mm. So I think they will look outside the Premier League and maybe not save themselves some cash, but maybe not spend as much as they would do if they were looking for somebody who does play in the Premier League. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. But I don't know. I still I still think that that Berahino deal might be resurrected. Um, I know it's just paper talk, but but there was I read somewhere this morning that um, we were going to offload Townsend to West Brom, which I can see what with it being uh, Euro year, and Townsend needs to get if if he wants to be in the Euro squad and in, in the England squad for the Euros, then he 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 needs regular football. So I could see we're, him go. We're presuming that West Brom won him. You know, uh-huh. we'll, let's see what happens January. Whether there's yeah. many teams that actually want him. To be quite honest, I don't know. Thing is, if they wouldn't sell Berahino in August for 25 million, what makes you think they're any more likely to sell him for that or less in January? Well, see, I just think I just think um, the deal should be dead stroppy little toe rag he can just stay where he is no I just think it should be dead just be- and all all because of their chairman I would just say you know what screw you 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 have fun and you you get 10 million for him in the summer from some other team or something you'd lost a bunch of money we don't need him we'll go, we'll look elsewhere I still I, I, for me it smacked of a Levy this was a player Levy wanted yeah not somebody that Poch wanted Doesn't well, matter now because he ain't our player. Yeah. Well, anyway, we we need a bottom line is we need a striker. I think <laughs> come come come. It would be good if we got somebody in. I think I think the reality is it'd be very difficult. It's difficult to do business in that window. Um, if you go by um, one of the most successful managers in 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 the Premier League in in recent years, um, Sir Alex Ferguson, he seldom did did. Did um, business during that window. Um, the the best bit of business he did in that window was Vidic and Evra, 
um, and they did not hit the ground running that season. It wasn't until the summer and the following season when they um, they, they started showing the players they were. Um, but he tended not not, not to do um, business in that window. Um, if we can get somebody, I think it'd be great. Um, well, no matter no matter what happens, I'm pretty sure that you know the negative part of our fan base will this will just kind of be like a, a unless it works, which I doubt it will. But I mean, to to make them happy, but this will be seen as like the Saha, the infamous Saha January, whereas yeah. you know Levy had his opportunity to build on the on successful start to the season and really push for this that or the other and he didn't so we'll see I'm confident in our transfer dealings no matter what happens whether we buy somebody or we don't I'm very confident now that we know what the hell we're doing and we've got the right Mm -hmm. attitude towards players we go out and we buy players that fit with our team and we actually look at the mentality of the person as well yeah, and we've got rid of all the cunts we had in our squad, and we ain't got room for any. <laughs> That's Mark we're, not saying what he really thinks, by the way. <laughs> we've got, we've got negative fans. Surely not. Um, right. Okay. Second half of the podcast, um, we'll be looking at our next match against West Brom. Um, Bex will be taking a look at Spurs ladies, and we'll, we'll be doing some more questions. Um, but before we do, here's Elliot Line with this week's forward line. Forward line on the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast with me, Elliot Line, looking forward to the Premier League game against West Bromwich Albion on December the 5th. Last season we won this fixture convincingly with a goal from Ericsson and two from Kane, bringing us a well-deserved 3-0 victory. In the Premier League we have played West Brom 18 times, uh, winning 8 and losing only 3. There have only been two red cards in those games, one for each team. I think we have a 73% chance of scoring, a 32% chance of scoring more than once, and a 52% chance of keeping a clean sheet. The most likely score lines are a 1-0 win, a 1-1 draw, a 2-0 win, and a 0-0 draw. Overall, I think there is a 51% chance of a Spurs win, a 28% chance of a draw, and a 21% chance of a West Brom win. This has been the forward line with Elliot Line. Come on you Spurs. Okay, thanks as ever, Elliot. Right, so turning to that match, West Brom on Saturday. Um, we're still unbeaten. That's, by the way, 13 games um, unbeaten, which I believe is a Premier League club record for us. It's not a... Um, that that was, believe it or not, there used to be football um, before the Premier League, before 1992. Um, so it's not a club record. Not if you're us. a Chelsea uh, fan. No, not if you're a fucking Chelsea fan. Um, I think the, the the previous record that we held was I think eighty four or eighty five, possibly. I think we had fifteen games unbeaten. So anyway, as it is, it's about thirteen, and we've got in that month of December, we've got on paper some should we say comfortable games. So you know, we've got Norwich and Norwich at home, and Boxing Day and Newcastle at home. A fortnight, and we've got Watford away um, on two days after Boxing Day. Um, Southampton away, and then obviously West Brom away. So um, West Brom away Saturday. Um, how do you see that one, Mark? Um, judging by judging by what I've just seen today with them drawing with West Ham, I mean they're just they're just average all over the pitch. I mean. I would ex- I would not expect us to lose that at all. 
and I'm not going to even talk about jinxing it or anything. I just we're too good for them, and we should be too good for them. And if we we got our energy back and our biting style of play, then we'll hammer them. But I mean, it's away from home, so a win's a win, and away win's always good. We'll take it. Prediction? But, yeah, um, prediction. Two nil. Okay, Bex. Three one. I think it was three one in the um, in the fixture last season. Kane got a couple, I believe. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with that as well. Three one. Um, I always fancy us away from home. And the fans, the support we have away from home is absolutely spectacular. And actually, that's one maybe slight downside of today. It was very, the support from the crowd was really, really patchy. Definitely, considering it was uh, a game against Chelsea and a game that we absolutely raped them in last season, it was quite surprising. Yeah, it, it, it's honestly, it's, it's to do with the fl- you it's under the floodlights. If, it's, if it was under the floodlights, right, the atmosphere would be a lot better. It's just human nature. Um, you're always more... You're at your peak in the evening <laughs> than, than, than during the morning. It's true. This is a boycott conversation, isn't it? <laughs> Mark, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, it's still the morning now, so I'm not quite at my peak, so I don't know whether I can answer that. <laughs> um... Right, yeah, three one, and um, and I think Kane and Ericsson to get a few. I think just Ericsson's due a goal. He is, he is, yeah, and he's in my fantasy team, so um, he better get one. Um, right, Bex, um, how have the ladies been doing? Ah, see, they played uh, midweek in the Ryman Cup against Gillingham and beat them five three. So that's nice. So we're through to the quarterfinals of the cup, which is. Always very flattering, isn't it? Um, so they've got that going on at the moment, and their next—they're playing. Oh, they should have just finished, but I don't have any scores because getting any information about these games is really, really tough. They should be playing just now um, at Canvey Island against Basildon. They their game next week has already been postponed, and then they come into um, my part of the world the following Sunday on the thirteenth to play uh, Portsmouth Ladies. So I'm going to go and see that. Which is just unfortunate that it clashes with the Spurs game, but never mind. And and are you um, are you going to get up and cl- up close to the players and try to? Um, it's uh, a tiny little ground. I would be astonished if I can't get really quite close to the players. I think you should. They get... don't have, you know, the ladies' games traditionally don't have thousands of people attending them. I I think you should go there um, under the guise of obviously you're a Spurs fan, but you should also mention what you do for the podcast and the fact that you cover the Spurs ladies and get some photos with, with the girls. And um, boss, anything yeah. else you want me to do whilst I'm there? Um, yeah, actually, I think you should say that you're from FHM magazine and you're interested in doing a photo shoot and maybe they could do some poses for you. Yeah, no, but thanks anyway. I'll, um, <laughs> I'll file that in the useless information thing. No, so I was going to plan. Um, I've got a contact at the club anyway for the ladies' team. So I was going to drop Paul a line and see if he can, you know, see what he can do, see if I can meet the players or something like that. And I'm taking yeah. Madam as well because I think it's was, vitally important for a young girl to see that it's not just about the boys' football. 
absolutely yeah you can get a few numbers as well um right I can. um for you or yeah. you okay no right, just just nice for me there, no, just for me um <laughs> right uh so questions paul Esau asks are we really starting to see something big happening or is it just another false storm now let's face it between the three of us we've seen probably quite a few false storms over the years as spurs fans but th- this feels a bit different doesn't it yeah, I've I met a I'm actually met a false dawn in Bangkok about six years ago. But about it's it not a subject for right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I definitely think so. I'm I'm hoping not just for us to be quite honest. I was thinking about this yesterday, and so you know, I'm hoping that we get to see a real competitive Premier League again. With I'm hoping at the end of this season when it gets to like March time, there's at least three teams still in it for the title. And, you know, with the likes of the Klopmeister coming in, I'm, I'm hoping to see it, the whole thing just more competitive. But for us, de- we're definitely on the up. I mean, every obstacle we've come across so far this season, we've met it really well. And I don't see that dropping right now. Just confidence is real high, not just with the team, but with the fans too. Yeah, just what worries me is we've had a really good run so far, but I am a, an elderly Spurs fan and I've seen all this before. And you get to that whole expectations. We've all been there before. The when was it five six years ago? The whole mind the gap thing going on. Mm. I think we have to be. Uh, that is still quite vivid in my mind, and I'm just really cautious of that. So it's all about building a team and last year was a bit hit and miss but you could feel something was starting to happen and this season has just continued that yeah so it would be really good but i think probably realistically we're probably looking at another couple of years to see anything spectacular happen but we're think- st- we're definitely building and on the up yeah absolutely and it's such a young squad you know if if Poch can keep that squad for another 2 years then there's no reason why we couldn't be winning in the league. I think we're sort of managing our own expectations by the fact that we, you know, there have been a few games that we've drawn, like today or Liverpool at home, Everton at home, where some of our fans might say, oh, you know, we should have won that, we should have got, or, or what if, but what if we did get the three points, you know, we'd be this far. In a way, we've we've done well, for instance, like last week against um, West Ham and then earlier this season against City, and then the following game, we might only draw it. So we don't lose it spectacularly, um, but we don't win and win and win to the point that we're getting carried away. We're just making steady progress, which is which is good. I think that's sort of keeping us, keeping, up, keeping our feet firmly on the ground. Um, the one thing that's different about this season, I find, compared to other seasons, if you, if you go back a few years, when, when we had Harry Redknapp, we, we were playing some, you know, really good football and it was very exciting and we had stars like Bale, Modric, Van der Vaart, all of that. Um, you look at the team now, um, we don't have, um, I can't remember if it was you, Mark, or, or Bex at the beginning, but we don't really have a, there isn't a standout player in the team. We just, the whole team plays really well collectively um, and we're a lot more solid, which I don't think Spurs teams in the past have been. Um, particularly at the back, that pairing of Alderweireld and um, Vertonghen is surely one of the best centre-back pairings that we've had in a very, very long time. 
Um, yeah, but it's not always preventing us from losing, conceding a goal. No, but still, over, if you average it out over the course of the season, yeah, that, and you go back. I'm trying to think. Um, King and Woodgate, but they rarely played um, together. Um, you've got to go back to perhaps Mabber and Goff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. It, 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 I'm. Yeah, for for me it's going to be how how we do in March because that's for me that's normally when when we screw it up. But uh, if we can get through the Christmas period, then we're in January. January we don't have any apart from this Monaco game. We don't have any European football till February. Um, we're obviously out in the League Cup, so um, the only thing in January will be will be the FA Cup, um, which I'm just hoping with that we don't have any replays. Um, and then if we get to a position where we're still there or thereabouts in March. If we can maintain it, that's that's going to be tricky because obviously we've got players that um, are very fit and and can can um, play Poch's way and and press and play at a certain tempo for long periods of the game. But whether they can maintain that over the course of the season, I don't know. But um, it's it's looking good at the moment and it's an improvement on last year. Um, just on that, so following from that, David Fornell asks, Spurs are doing so much right at the moment. Is there anything we're we getting wrong? It's a concentration level, I think, occasionally. The physical fitness is there. The mental fitness isn't always quite there. And I think the goal that we conceded against West Ham last week was yeah. a really good example of that. That little two-minute switch off and that was us conceding, which didn't take the shine off it because it was always nice to beat that lot. But it would have been better if it, if we'd kept a clean sheet. So I think that's something that Poch and the team need to work on. I can't, right now, I can't really think of anything that stands out that we're doing wrong. I mean, just listening to what you were saying just then, Jav, think about like the last couple of seasons as well, how many defensive mistakes we had made that had led to us conceding goals as well. I mean, it was in double figures. It was ridiculous. That's not happening anymore. The only thing that... The only thing for me is kind of like a double-edged sword. I, I would like to see some of the... Like Clinton get more game time and I feel sorry for Vimmer because I thought he played really well. You know, I feel sorry for him that he hasn't had a chance, but you just you just mm. can't put him in right now either. Why would you change a great formula? But no, I don't think there's anything we're doing wrong. I think I just agree with what Beck said earlier, and and what you said about Vimmer. It'd be, it'd be nice. Maybe maybe his time will come again in the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, I I think the performance against and left away was disappointing. Um, but then, what was encouraging was the way we bounced back from that from that match afterwards. So they're the yeah. only team that have had our number this season. Basically, yeah. uh, every other game, I, there has not been one game we've played apart from Anderlecht where I felt, yeah, we probably, you know, didn't deserve to win. Everyone thought... else, over all the rest, we we definitely could have won. I thought Leicester um, did quite well against. Of all the Premier League teams, I think Leicester gave us the, the biggest test. 
I know I know we conceded a stupid goal straight after and it goes back to what um, Beck said about concentration. Um, I thought they gave us a tough game. But um, in a way, it's not so much is there anything we're getting wrong. I think the fact that David Fornell is asking that question um, and the fact we're st- st- trying to struggle or to pick holes in it says a lot yeah. about how, how we're doing. Yeah, because previous years we'd have had a whole ton of stuff to say about this. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so um, it is a good thing. It says a lot as well that, you know, Jav didn't immediately react and say, you know, the bagel situation. Right, no. Uh, okay, moving swiftly on. Um, 80. Uh, sorry, I saw Somar at 80 underscore Spurs ask, what would be the bigger achievement, top four with Harry's side or this one? Now, he doesn't say which of Harry's side because we obviously achieved top four in 09-010 and we did qualify for the Champions League and then we achieved it again in his final season and um, the cunts from West London um, <laughs> went and beat Bayern, Bayern. So, I think to to get it with this team would be mm. a bigger achievement because they're so young. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Still a very, very young side. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, and I think arguably the, the the second team that Redknapp has that finished fourth but didn't qualify for the Champions League, that, sh- that team should have really finished at least third that season. And the fact they didn't and the fact that we threw it away was was quite oh, yeah. disappointing, um, and yeah, as you say, this is a young team. Um, this is a team that doesn't have any, you know, it doesn't have a. It's got some very good players. Don't get me wrong, but it hasn't got a superstar Bale or a Modric or no, exactly. Um, There's none of that. Player. No, um, and we're doing well, really it's, well. It's a more competitive league, I would say, as well. Yeah. Right now, yeah. look at the, the the standards of the lower teams in the leagues. Look at Leicester. Look at how Southampton are doing. It's it's a tougher league now. I really think so. Okay. Um, Nick Seal asks, how much do you hate the Chavs? More or less than the Nomads? Mm. That's quite a tough question, isn't it, really? Uh, okay, so for me, um, I... If we'd lost today, it would be disappointing. Don't get me wrong, but it, I, I would get it out of my system fairly quickly, and I'd move on. Um, for me, the game that I'm much more nervous about, the one that I just I've got like tension in the morning of the game, the one that if we lose it, it hurts more, is Arsenal, and it's also also a lot sweeter when we beat them. Um, and um, that doesn't really answer the question, does it? Um, no. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think... I, 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 it's a different kind of hate. It's a different kind of kind of hate, OK? Um, I hate the Chavs because they are... And that's off-the-field reasons, isn't it? They are classless. They've got no history. Um, they're just... Uh, I just don't have time for them and their fans. I don't like Arsenal fans, but... You've got. I've got some sort of begrudging respect for them because because they've got a history, even if they've cheated and, cheated um, and yeah, yeah, all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different kind of hatred for me. Yep, I'll go with that. 
but yeah, on balance, I still hate the Gooners more. Yeah, for me, it's 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 got to be Arsenal more because they're just more of a direct rival. There's more yeah of a direct banter between us and their fans, and they've got one on one over on us on a few occasions that has hurt way more than Chelsea ever could, like winning the title at the lane and, you know, things like that. So it's definitely them. But to be quite honest, I hate West Ham more than either of them. I just fucking hate West Ham. They're just, their fans just wind me up. <laughs> something rotten. They they think they're on the same level as us and they're just nowhere near us. Well, they're let's shit. see. So they drew one all with West Brom today. So we need to make sure that we spank West Brom next week. Well, we spanked them last week, you know, when they were all I know, giving it to... the big and... That was quite amusing. Oh, so the only West I... Town fan I know, personally, um, hasn't spoken to me all week. <laughs> and has been right, deliberately but... avoiding me because he knows I've ripped the shit out of him. Well, whenever they get proven wrong as well, they start talking about Arsenal. And, you know, they suddenly become closet Arsenal fans because they've got nothing they can say against us. And they're just a joke. They're just a joke club. I'm surprised they even, you know, their fans have lasted the way the board screwed them over in the 90s when they were just selling all their players and not putting any of that money into buying new players. You know, the board were just screwing them over and their their ground looks like Legoland and they're <laughs> crap. We should have, had, should have had you on the pod last week. Um... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> right, so moving on. Um, Chris Cowell asks, is this the season that Poch cements that much-needed change in attitude of the club um, and how much of a difference, if any, will it make? Um, can we really get a run together and then finish strong or will we buckle and return to type? Um, and I'm also going to throw in another question in, into the mix that Michael John Bede asks, can we finish second? I think we're capable of it, but you know we're just over a third of the way gone. It's definitely not it's not beyond us, but there's just a whole bunch of other things you need to rely on to make that happen. Mm. You know, and it's the what if scenario, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's like everybody's staying fit. It's relying on other people's results, things like that. You know, so we just got to concentrate on us. And as for now the original question about the attitude, I think he's already cemented that. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 already there. And I think that was shown by the whole Townsend thing as well. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on there. I think he's he's already Poch has already changed things around in that respect, and it's only going one way. And it's just all I about maintaining it now. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can. I can see us putting a run together and finishing strong. Stronger. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think to coin a phrase. I don't think we're gonna be Spursy and buckle and return to type. Um, although, let's see what happens come come March, April, because that's when we normally fuck up. Um, can we finish second? Probably not. I think. I think. It, I think we'll finish top four, maybe even third. But I can't see any higher. Not yet, but that depends. It depends on everybody else's results. Are Chelsea going to stay this crap? Are United going to... They were just dreadful to watch yesterday. Um, are United going to stay that crap? 
and still manage to grind out games I don't know there's too many variables I think mm. okay um, final few questions so um, nice little question from Joss Heddington Joss asks um, or he says what's your thoughts on the contrast between Mr Levy and Mr Abramovich now Mark, earlier on you mentioned some of the fans being negative. Um, These tend to be the same sort of fans that whinge about Levy, Levy out brigade, let's face it. Um, I'm quite happy that we've got Daniel Levy as chairman. Um, I don't think, I think there's there's been things he's done, uh, uh, particularly like the the sacking of Martin Yole, which I think was... Was, was out of order and um, the amount of managers that have come and gone um, has, has been a little bit disturbing but I think on the whole it's appointment of Pochettino backing of Pochettino um, what he's done with the stadium I know some people might argue it's, it's taken longer than it should have um, on, on balance I've, I've still, I'm quite happy with, with Daniel Levy and he seems to be a he seems to be a proper businessman, rather than one of these chairmen that go into it. Um, a thief. Yeah, he's not. A th- he's not a fucking thief like Abramovich. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. Is that is that libelous? Maybe, uh, maybe not. Don't know. Potentially. Well, if it, if it okay. is, it's you and about seventy-five thousand other people have said it. So you're yeah, right. And the rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, look, Levy isn't one of those. He's not a thief, and he's not. We're not suggesting that Mr. Mr. Abramovich is a thief, of course, but some some cha- some chairmen are. Yeah, um, yeah. And and he's not also one of these sort of chairmen that's like a massive football fan that goes and um, acquires a club or becomes chairman of a football club. I'm thinking um, the prick at Palace a few years ago. Um, was it Jordan? Yeah. Or, Although well, somebody actually before that, even longer than that, I think in the late nineties when when Venables came back, I can't remember his name now. Um, but he's not one of those um, delusional types either. Um, he's 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 just a sound businessman, um, and a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people want him to spend millions um, and do a Leeds United, but uh, he's. He's a sound businessman, and I'm quite happy with him. And as for Mr. Abramovich, right? So he's um, he's invested a lot of money in Chelsea, and you can't argue with that, that. That the fact that a lot of money's been invested, and they've won a lot of trophies, but they don't really have. To me, they don't have any soul as a football club. They've just they buy all these players, and they come and they go, and managers come and go, and it just doesn't feel. It There's no like, youth development. The big yeah, example for that is De Bruyne. So yeah. they didn't want to push his development, thought he wouldn't make it. How much did City pay for him? Mm. Many lots. So what does that say about Chelsea's youth policy? Well, they don't have one because they don't give a shit. They're all about getting the money in here and now. And they don't have... Look at their squad. There's just There's nobody there who's come up through the youth ranks. And you can't say that about Daniel Levy. Well, you can't say it now, anyway. City, City are an even worse version of Chelsea. I mean, yeah, Chelsea have thrown a lot of money at players, but they also bought themselves as a spine that they, you know, kept for a long time in that team that brought them a load of success. So, I mean, the people, the people that, the people that want Levy out, want an Abramovich, you know. 
that's the that's the way I see it. They are the kind of people that want an Abramovich. They want us to just throw money. They think that money talks and these superstars will just come when you're not even in a regular in a Champions League or whatever. It doesn't work. We're going to get to that point where it's going to be a make or break for us whether we can lure players like that. And it's got to help when you've got a manager that everybody is raving about, you know, and, and no one's got a bad thing to say about the guy. But for me, I mean, I don't... I don't the chairman's job is just to be a chairman of the football club. Yeah. I don't know enough about him to know what he should be doing or what he shouldn't be doing because I ain't a chairman in it. I'm never going to be a chairman of a football club, you know. So I don't care. He, he does what chairmen do and his yeah. name shouldn't be in the headlines. Yeah. And he doesn't want his name in the headlines. It's everybody Agreed. else that brings it mm. in there. Yeah. You know, he don't so he he only speaks when he really really has to and when he does speak it's to the fans. Yeah, our growth is at the moment is organic. Where if I look at them, it's just artificial. It's just throw a lot of money. And and do you know what? You're right. If you if if you're of the mindset as a fan that you want a sugar daddy throwing in a whole load of money, then hey, Abram, Abramovich, Abramovich is your man. Um, he's he's a man to do that. Um, but if you don't want if if you don't like the idea of your club just pissing away lots of money on somebody. Um, I mean, if you go back to the beginning of that whole Chelsea revolution, I remember they got in Veron, um, Crespo, um, Hughes, Romanian lad, uh, Mutu. They got all of these players in. Uh, Ranieri, was, Ranieri was still manager. And what happened to Veron? He didn't last very long. Um, there was a Russian guy whose name escapes me at the moment, a player they signed, who they loaned out straight away, I think, to Birmingham and Portsmouth. Um, so you just you end up buying a whole load of players. And it doesn't feel your 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 team loses identity. Whereas you start to buy players, one you know, two or three players over a course of several seasons, and builds up as well as bringing developing your your young players. It it feels that that growth is more that progress is more organic rather than it's just being artificial and you just suddenly get lumbered with a whole load of strangers playing um, one another. And then yeah, you win a few trophies, sack your manager. Get another manager in, sack him, get another one in. It. Just, I, I don't want that. I, I don't want that. If other fans want that, fine. Um, but maybe they should well, support Chelsea. Well, I, ideally, you should never have to rebuild a team. You know, you should always be building. But then, you know, it, it must be tough for teams or managers because it gets to the point where, you know, you've got players that you've built relationships with, but maybe they're starting to falter, or you, you know, it almost seems sometimes the teams that a whole bunch of players just seem to start to drop off at once and now suddenly the whole squad needs to be rebuilt. But I said this before about Chelsea. Right now, Mourinho built a team, but he didn't build a squad and that's why they're struggling this season too. Mm. All they've got is a team. They haven't got a squad. Who else have they got in the background? And who they have got, you know, players like Falcao. I mean, that was just crazy. Remy's done decent when he comes in, but he can't. He's not, not getting pick any Costa. game time, is he? Right, he can't not pick Costa. It it gets to that point, and Poch, Poch has got, hopefully, has got to the. He's got. He's at the point right now where he's like, look, you need to understand. If you're playing well, you're in. But if I want to put somebody else in, I'm going to put somebody else in. So, they're all kind of big club problems, and we. It's going to happen for up to us too. 
and we'll see how we cope with it. Okay, fi final two questions. Um, John Rayworth asks, or he says, I'm, com <laughs> I'm completely retarded when it comes to analysing football, either during or after the game. I just see 22 people running after a ball. In your, <laughs> in your opinion, what percentage of football fans are like me and what percentage actually have a clue what's going on and who's doing what role, etc.? Yeah, I guess well, everybody takes different things from a game, don't they? Because mm -hmm. I'm not good with looking at, a, at the game and saying, oh, they're playing this formation or, you know, I can't do that. It doesn't make sense to me. But I can spot the good players. I can spot the ones that have done well and I can remember little incidents that have occurred. Um, so, yeah, I think everybody's different, but maybe not everybody to the extent that John is. I think it's just a case of different Different people see it a different way. Some people, they just they love the game. They just want to be entertained and watch a good game of football. Other people have the kind of mentality where they need to know more. They need to understand how it all works and and, and try and understand, yeah, analyze it and understand the tactics. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's not. It's just different people's views on the sport and the game, you know. But there's no, I don't. Know, there's no good way you know, or, or right way of doing it. Everybody sees the game different. As long as you enjoy it, then that's good. It's the difference between AVB and Harry, isn't it? AVB would look at the tactics and he would know the game, the technical side of it, inside out, and Harry and his just fucking run around a bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's about it's about perspectives, um, you know, and I think as long as you're enjoying the game, during watching it, that that's the main, main thing. Some Some people will want to get that a bit more out of it and and they might start to analyse or over-analyse it. Um, and yeah. some some people just talk a bunch of shit anyway and just <laughs> repeat what they've heard on the TV. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here, man. You can't just say that about me. <laughs> That's why we do the podcast. Um, right, final, final question. Um, Paul Simon says um, he saw the Coke Christmas advert the other day and... Um, we all know that means it's officially Christmas soon. Um, four weeks away, really? Less than four weeks away. Right. So his question is: How how does Spurs Spursness appear in your house at Christmas? For example, he has a Spurs stocking, a Spurs hat for Christmas Day. Um, it, it goes on. I have a Spurs bouse on my desk at work, or another. So, what Spurs tats have you been tats and Spurs? Sorry, you can't put that in the same sentence. Have you been sold, given in the name of Christmas cheer? All right. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got a, you know, those sort of Christmas jumpers you get. Um, I've got a Spurs one, and I actually think it's quite good. Not just because it's Spurs, but it's just it doesn't look as cheesy as your. Um, uh, traditional sort of type jumpers you'd wear Christmas type jumpers so um, that's mm. that's what I've got don't have anything Amelia bought me some um, Spurs car air freshener things for my birthday but I think because my family isn't particularly sporting it wouldn't occur to anybody to look for something like that so I don't have anything at Christmas no, I don't have some. I don't have any like Spurs decorations or anything that get pulled out every year or anything like that. My mum or my mum will generally send me something Tottenham for Christmas because 
there's a there's a Spurs shop actually in Harlow where I come from, so it's pretty handy. So I'll generally get like a t-shirt or a hoodie or something like that. But other than that, I don't have anything that I don't have a hat or anything. I don't wear hats, but I don't is, have anything is, like that around the house. Is there anything that either of you have got got at work, for instance, that identifies you as a Spurs fan? Yes, I have a Tottenham mug, and anybody else that uses it is going to get their fingers broken. But that's widely understood around the office, and nobody's that brave as to even try it. Mark? I did have a mouse mat, but I don't have one anymore. So, yeah. no, but there's a Christmas gift idea for you. <laughs> oh, I was really worried about that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got I've got a mug, and I've also got um, my desktop. Is, yeah, actually, um, my desktop as well. And also um, my email. You know, you've got those sort of like um, logos. I think I don't know what whatever it's called associated with your email. So when it comes in to somebody's inbox, it's got like a little. Um, uh, it's got the cockerel. I used to have, I used to have the uh, badge on my desktop, and then I I took some time off, and when I I took. When I took some time off and came back, my leads that needed to use my login on my computer had changed the badge to like a rainbow bird and screwed with it. So, <laughs> bastards. <laughs> right. Um... Sorry, Jeff, just after today, yeah. um, I know it's been posted on Facebook and you wouldn't have heard this because you were at the game. But out of today's game, the best bit of commentary came from some bloke. I don't pay attention to who it is, so long as it's not Mickey Owen, who said, if Dyer sees anything, he'll tackle it. Yeah, if it, if it moves. Commentary, yeah, I've ever heard in my life. What do you reckon? <laughs> I, think, I think that sums up Eric Dyer. Or have you heard anything better? Bearing in mind that you often go to games, not just have to sit and watch them at home. Uh, no, I think that's, that's nothing that comes to mind. That no, they just generally watch... just talk crap and cliches, don't they? Mm. I think um, not Spurs one, but one of one of the one of my favourite. Um, in fact, it's, I don't think it's even a, it's um, it's not a football one. It's a snooker piece of commentary. I think it was Ted Lowe years and years ago, and. The, if you're some, watching in black and white. Yeah, if you're yeah. watching in black and white um, commentary. Um, or, or, he's potting the pink or whatever, or the black, yeah. But I can't I can't think of any good football. Um, well, classically, Keegan, a few years ago. Not, it's not actually a, a good bit, bit of commentary, but it was um, France 98, and um, uh, we were drawing one all against Romania. And the late Brian Moore says to him, um, who do you think is going to win or something like that? And he said, oh, well, there's only one team in it now. And uh, Romania then proceeded to score. He implied that it was England and Romania proceeded to score, which was rather unfortunate. Was that, uh, when, but, was that when Phil Neville like just gave it away or something? Uh, no, that was, that was in the following Euros when Keegan was manager. No, this was France 98. Um, we lost 2-1. Okay. Two, two um yeah, there's been quite a few Keegan Howlers over the course of the years, and I'm not just talking about his managerial career, but his, his presence in the commentary box. Or his like haircut. 
Over his haircuts, yeah. His haircut, he's quitting, and then he also <laughs> he also got attacked with a baseball bat off the side of the motorway a long time ago as well. I, seem oh, to remember. I remember that, yeah, yeah. So, suddenly out of nowhere. I think it may be Keegan invented dogging or something. I don't believe <laughs> believe there must have been a little bit more to that story. Right, if that's not my bliss. Right, on that note, um, thank you, Mark. Um, thank you, Bex. Um, thank you. For future sprites, future Lily White. Good night. in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out all the hurt.